Hello, everyone out there in Lasso land. This is Peanut Butter and Biscuits, your Ted Lasso fan cast from NPR Illinois Community Voices. I'm your host today, Craig, joined by my co-host, Mr. Jeremy Geckner. What it do, Lasso fans? We got a good one for you today. Oh my gosh, we're coming at you so quickly after our trailer reaction because we got Luke Tenney coming back on. I had the chance to talk to Luke during a press junket and he mentioned his love for Ted Lasso. So I reached out to him again and I said, hey man, you want to come talk Ted Lasso? And he was more than willing to come and talk Ted Lasso. So he is, uh, he's a treat. I will tell you, we've already recorded this interview. We're not going to spend much time up front because honestly, I want you to listen to this. This is a real Ted Lasso fan. He's also on a great show on Apple TV Plus called Shrinking. And guys, that 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 show pairs so well with Ted Lasso. Um, it has so many of the same themes, but done almost in a completely different way. His character of Sean has so much depth to him, and I can't wait to see where it goes from here. And I'm just so excited to get a chance to share this interview with you. Jeremy, any final thoughts before we go right to Luke? Nope, none at all. This guy is awesome. You guys are really going to love this interview, so enjoy. We are so honored on Peanut Butter and Biscuits to invite one of the stars of Shrinking, Luke Tenney. How are you, sir? I'm blessed. Glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, man. It's been such a, a ride for you, I bet, since the last time we spoke. I had a chance to talk to you during a press junket. And at that point, I had seen three episodes of Shrinking. Thank you, Apple TV Plus. And now yeah. I've seen, uh, it should probably, I don't know if I could say I've seen the whole seen season all. or Just not, say, but thank hey, you've you seen them all. <laughs> to, to Apple. Uh, I know there are seven episodes publicly available, but talk to me just about the roller coaster that has been your life and this show in the last few weeks since we had a chance to talk. It's been it's been good. People seem to like the show, which is great because I like it quite a bit. And I, I'm glad to know that people feel the same way. But yeah, as, as you gentlemen know, uh, it's built by the same creators of another fantastic show, Ted Lasso. And it was an honor to work with so many heroes and people who I admire. There's so much for me to learn every day on set. There's so much richness in the dialogue. So so many good words to say. They're in the right order. The characters are deep. They're fulfilled. I could I could gush about those guys for forever, but we'd be here all day. But I'm I'm very happy and proud to be a part of Shrinking. Yeah, As speaking of uh, speaking of being here all day, you know, I just was able to listen to your appearance on Brett's uh, podcast, Films to Be Buried. Oh, cool! And you man, I'll tell you what, you, the Prestige, and all of these other movies you're mentioning, get out. I mean, I'm not going to spoil them all for people. They need to go out and listen. <laughs> hey, look, like, they're just some of my favorites. So. Oh my gosh! And then, uh, just so you know, Luke, I I do have a Disney show. You ever want to come talk Oliver and Company or Fox and the Hound? I'm I'm just going to force you to be my friend here, Luke. That's all. That's, hey, that's hey, basically look, film is a way to do it, man. I, yeah. I love film. I love TV. It's something that I was casually invested in growing up. And then when I realized I wanted to be a performer, it got serious. And I didn't realize it until people started to mention different films. And I'd be like, oh, I know such and such. And then they would kind of look at me like, oh, you're you're a nerd. And I was like, oh, I like that. Yeah. Film nerd. Okay. I didn't know that, that that happened, but I'm 
I'm proud to wear that title. But yeah. yo, I love I love the the OG Oliver and Fox and the Hound man. Like so, you speaking to my heart right now. Yeah, for sure. You know, one thing uh, I'm I'm filibustering here, and I'll get yeah, back man. to Jeremy here in a second. <laughs> but but uh, one thing that you mentioned in there that I wanted to to talk about right away, you talked about imposter syndrome a little bit, and I'll tell you, like we still get that so often. You know, when we have a chance to people to speak to people like you or to members of the cast of Ted Lasso, it's just kind of like, what are we doing here but i think one of the things that we also have really thought about doing is to also ask for it right to go out there and try to grab that interview or try to to grab that conversation and so i don't know i wanted to explore that with you a little bit because shrinking and ted lasso both have this um mental health theme throughout mm -hmm. them and i just wanted to to get your thoughts on like how your career has progressed to this point and how you still feel imposter syndrome when you're on this amazing show with these amazing actors and you've done so much other film work and TV work too. Uh, great, great question. I think, I think it's just anyone who's, who, who has a normal understanding of reality, I think will experience that when working at the highest level. Cause it's like, yo, I live in North Hollywood right now. I got this crummy apartment. Y'all were so gracious and kind. I'm late today. Cause I pulled up, I had to change my whole setup from one room to another because I got neighbors blasting music and they won't stop. And I can't afford to have my own crib yet. And it's like, then I drive down to Warner brothers. I pull up into the set and now it's like, hello, Luke. Hello, Mr. Tenney. Anything you need. Can I get you some water? Let me pamper your face. So it's like, I'll go from one reality to another where it's like, if you're not grounded in some sense of like, okay, well, when I'm at WB shooting this awesome show, this isn't representative of how the world actually works. You know, they're trying to make sure I'm comfortable so we can get the shot and go home. So they're doing extra stuff to make sure I feel comfortable, you know? But after a while, it becomes weird after, I don't know, I'm picking up doggy poop or trying to figure out where to shoot my self-tape because... I have like the thinnest walls in America and then switching on to being on a crazy set like that. After a while, you kind of go, man, do I really, do I really belong here. <laughs> I can understand that. Like Craig said, like we, we never ever lose that here. Um, and I think it's because we are fans first, you know, like uh, no fans matter first. what, we are always just like so psyched just to talk about people who make the art that we love. Um, and, you know, speaking of that, um, I also listened to your appearance on Brett and you said something that really spoke to me, man, because um, and it was something Brett wrote down in the you know description of it. So it's going to be out there. But the whole reason we started this whole podcast network was because we were so sick of critics always just saying like this movie sucks and like you shouldn't like this movie and you shouldn't watch this movie. And you said on there um, about like a certain kind of movie who gets off a roller coaster with notes. <laughs> Um, and I thought that was the greatest phrase because that's how we are, man. Not every movie is going to be amazing, but you can enjoy pretty much anything. I I am so glad that that connected um, with you guys. I, I just, I feel that in my heart. Like mm. I feel that in my artist's heart where it's like, yo, I understand the respect for Citizen Kane. I definitely understand why we have the Godfather, but it's like, Hey man, sometimes you're trying to watch, uh, Bruce Willis drive a car into a, a helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> that's movies too. You see here trying to tell me that that's for some reason less of a cinematic experience because we're not like, it's just like as a performer, I get it. I get when people want to see like actors act. But then as like, you know, I used to play football. I was O-line. As an O-lineman where it's like mm -hmm. you don't get no glory no matter what you do, no matter how much 
benefit you bring to the team. You just don't really get no praise. As an O-lineman, it's like, as a cog in the machine, I'm looking at it like, hey, man, if we score, we score. People went to see it. People liked it. What's the problem? Yeah, exactly. Everybody knows Patrick Mahomes, but who knows Orlando Brown? You know, the guy who keeps him upright. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so. Like that. Yeah, but so, I have a good time watching, I call them popcorn movies, and a good time watching filet mignon movies as well. Exactly, exactly. Everything has its own little taste there and stuff. And that, that's what I love about not only that, but shrinking as well. It's got that total vibe of like, it's okay to like what you like, you know? Yeah, so, it's it's a good show, man. I'm I'm proud to be a part. It's just connecting with so many people too. And of course, like in the Ted Lasso fan base. So yeah. what we did was we went to our listeners and we said, Hey, we're going to talk to him a bit about shrinking. And of course we're going to dive into to Ted Lasso. So what questions do you have for him? And we got a <laughs> lot of questions that were uh, more or less like, how did you prepare to be Sean? And I know that you mm -hmm. mentioned uh, when I had a chance to talk to you in just a brief amount of time, I think you mentioned your family about 65 times. I mean, you, I yeah, can really yeah. tell that your family has such an impact to you but uh and you mentioned i think your brother also yeah you kind of big brother. channeled him so can you go into that a little bit more yeah for sure so i'm the youngest of three and my eldest sibling is my sister she's seven years older than me and then my brother's two years older than me and he always used to kind of he like grab me by the back of the neck and just like just espouse a bunch of wisdoms to me you know just <laughs> drop golden nuggets of truth and he used to say these things in these times and I think he knew the impact he had on me. So he would say stuff like, sometimes you got to know how to be alone. But remember, you ain't never really alone. He mm -hmm. would say stuff like, um, you never start a fight ever. You always use your words. Mm -hmm. He's like, if you start a fight and I'm around, then I hope you win because I'm not helping. He's like, but if you use your words and you get into a physical altercation, he's like, I got your back. Then come to find out, I grew up, I'm... 18 i'm like hey man you remember when you taught me about like using my words he was like huh i said you remember when you told me he's like yeah man i remember when i said that hey look bottom line if you punch somebody in the face i was gonna punch him with you it was a lie i said that so you would grow up right so like, under no circumstance am i gonna allow my little brother to get beat up but i taught you that and i'm glad it worked because it was a good way for you to grow up so like he provided certain things for me a sort of do as i say not as i do and that kind of spirit that sort of quiet I'm going to choose what information to give. I really wanted to look at for Sean, because not only is he an older brother, I wanted him to be a familiar older brother. So I, I stole a lot from mine to where I'm thinking, these are certain things that my little bro might not know about me, or these are certain things I want him to know about me so he can look up to me in a certain way, but also not feel ashamed about the other parts about me. So I'm stealing a lot of discretion that I learned from my big brother in my personal life. Oh, that's so awesome. And uh, actually, one of the questions like we directly got was from Willie. And he said uh, his character hides so much of his emotion and apprehension. He has this apprehension when he's trying to open up. And then he asked if there were any parallels that you drew between Sean and any of the Lasso characters when you began the process of developing Sean as yourself. Another great question. Man, I, I love Ted Lasso. Well, there's a there's a couple different characters on that show who I think are similar to Sean, but I did not necessarily pick any things from each character to build Sean. I really wanted to to work for me because mm -hmm. I don't I don't know if this is apparent to you guys, but like there are some performers who kind of transform. Like let me think of an example like Tom Hardy. Well, he'll be Venom. He doesn't talk anything like mm -hmm. 
Tom Hardy or Daniel Day-Lewis, where you hardly even know how he talks at all. And then he walks, breathes, and speaks like a totally different person when he performs. And then there's there's performers like Ryan Reynolds. And then there's performers like Dwayne Johnson, people who use charisma and they use themselves. I wanted Sean to be really me. I wanted him to speak like me, walk like me, breathe like me. But I wanted his thought process to be different. So in looking at a show like Ted Lasso, I think Roy Kent, obviously, is somebody who's very, very, uh, he uses a lot of discretion when it comes to sharing about himself. But then conversely, you have somebody with a lot of positive energy. Ted, he's the same way. Yep. There's a lot about him that he ke- that he plays close to his chest. And I think that the writers kind of know that most people will connect to that, which is why you'll see that sort of trend in a lot of the content that they create. And I think it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it totally works. And there's, I love like some of the parallels that we're already drawing here because there's also one that, and I don't know if this might be a stretch, but uh, I, I found it. So, hey, let, we'll, we'll see if it, it fits anyone else. Um, but I, I saw a lot of uh, Jamie Tart's character arc in Sean so far as Ooh. well, because Jamie is one who's had to really rep- anything that he actually feels um, throughout his entire life because he really does have a lot of trauma in his life from how his dad has interacted with him and stuff and it takes like a positive role model like Ted to try and even like inch that out a little bit a little bit but even though Jamie makes growth he's still guarded you know and he still won't let anybody like completely in except for like Keely so do you think you could see a little bit of parallels between those two as well absolutely absolutely because I think with Tark's trauma it comes from his family Mm -hmm. so he has this sort of outward response to where he he plays this character on the outside so that people can't get in. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm looking at Sean, none of his trauma is connected to his family, at least not in season one. Right. So all his trauma is based when he was away. So his parents knew this person, who this person was, and then he comes back having become a different person, trying to hide the elements of himself that he has become while he was overseas. And his response to that creates a withdrawal, creates a, I'm going to be homeless because the less I'm home, the less I have to cover. I can go out and get into fights. Whereas Tart uses his persona as a way to push other people away. So it's interesting to look at that, how one character has a familial trauma, one character has a, a military trauma, you know, fighting in, in, in wars and how they both react differently based on the source of their trauma, but they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're pushing like people away. Fits a I little bit. It's there. Why I kind of love that, like, it's almost like Bill Lawrence, the, the connective tissue between the two shows. And of course, Brett Goldstein as well. Mm-hmm. But it's like they it's it's almost like they're making it better to be able to talk about these types of issues. They Ted Lasso is a show that, you know, we get a chance to have this kind of kind of goofy, hokey American coming dropped over across the pond and uh, just kind of thrown to the wolves. But then and they sneak in that second season, a real message about mental health and therapy and the panic attacks. And, and Ted, our protagonist that we absolutely love, who is sort of, in a way, torn about going into therapy. And then they give us this great show, Shrinking, where we're getting a look at the therapist, but then we're also realizing they also are humans who need therapy. They also need some kind of human connection as well. And I, I guess it's less a, a question and more just like a, uh, I'm so glad that Apple TV plus and um, that Bill Lawrence, Brett Goldstein, they're bringing us these shows that just allow us to feel more open. And I think that that's so important right now. I agree. I think 
I think they're on to something. And I think a lot of the writers are pulling from their own truth as well. Because mm -hmm. I'm somebody who, you know, I'm working with these legends. So I'm not really trying to like ask them about their personal lives or what the nitty gritty is about what they're going through. But I try to be around in in case when they do share, I can understand. Because I'm a writer myself and I want to understand like, what's the difference between here to there? How do I get from this guy who's just obsessed with TV and film and want, who I just made a short and like I, I'm I'm working on other stuff. I, I like I write plays too. How do I get from here to where I'm kind of responsible for a show with the zeitgeist like Ted Lasso and so many people are watching it. And now it's like, do I use this opportunity to cultivate a spirit of growth or do I just entertain? And I think in the case of both Ted Lasso and Shrinking, the writers have grown, they've graduated past merely entertainment and they're doing their best to demonstrate, educate, support, challenge. Something mm -hmm. I love so much about these shows. Like you got a protagonist who's pretty much perfect in, right. in Ted Lasso. And, of, and he has this one flaw and we're all rooting for him more in that flaw than winning the freaking games. Mm-hmm. It's like his whole job is to win games and we want him to talk about his problems. Oh, it's such good writing. It's so responsible. Yeah. And that's kind of like the, the main uh, selling point of the show that I give to people is like, you know, because my wife was very hesitant to watch Ted Lasso um, because she's not a sports fan. You know, she'll watch baseball and March Madness, but that's about it. Mm -hmm. um, and so when she was like, no, it's a show about soccer. And I was always like, it's, there's really not a lot of soccer. <laughs> there's not much soccer in that show. It's it's like the vehicle that they use to discuss these things. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's just this total breakdown. And I love that you mentioned also the writing because I think I don't know if it you know, of course Bill Lawrence and Brad Goldstein, but there is just something about the writing of both of these shows that is just so like I, I want to be in these scenes with you guys because I love the way you talk to each other. Um, and I just wanted to get a little behind the scenes there because. Like you, you're working with really great comedy people here, Jason Siegel, Krista Miller, Jessica Williams and stuff like that. Like how much of what's on the page is like exactly what you say? Or are you encouraged to kind of like riff with each other a little bit when you're on set too? So what I've learned is every pair trio or more is different. So it's like you can have Jason and let's say Michael in a scene and they'll have their system. And then you add me in there and it shifts. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's yeah. the chemical is different. You'll mm -hmm. add Krista in there and the whole thing rotates. Lukita's in there. The whole thing gets, it's like a chemical balance type deal. Mm -hmm. So I can't speak for everyone on the set, but I have noticed that when I'm working, I, and a lot of my scenes are with Jason because he plays my therapist. Of course, uh -huh. it'll be, we go as written. Then we go as written with, we try to kind of up the ante. Maybe we'll try a little bit of, we'll try something different. Like we'll shake it up a bit. Mm -hmm. And then we'll do that until pretty much we got it. We know we've got it. And when we've got it, then there's like two or three takes where it's like, let's just go for it. Let's just improvise. Mm -hmm. Let's, and then I, man, Jason. Okay. So mm -hmm. it, it's, it's good for me that my character Usually Jason's trying to make, or Jimmy's trying to make Sean laugh, right. which is great for me. Cause man, after this one season, I'm going to the, the comedy gym and I'm not going to break 
because all of these shots cost so much money and I want to make sure not to ruin these shots. But when when Jason gets to work, man, he's just funny. You've been doing this forever. Yeah. The funny dude. So I'm in there and I'm dialed in. But if Sean starts to break a little bit, it works because that's exactly what Jimmy's trying to do for Sean to kind of wake him up to the joy in life. But yeah, it usually is just we go as written. And then once we kind of lock in the scene, man, it's a free for all. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, and that's another parallel between Lasso and Shrinking as well, is that you really have the two Jasons kind of joining those creative teams, <laughs> yeah. right? And so, and, and it's personal for both of them. I mean, you see these in interviews, but of course, like Sudeikis, I mean, he's putting a ton of himself into Ted. And mm-hmm. I imagine that it's a similar with Jason Siegel uh, putting himself into Jimmy as well and into that work. Yeah, he's, that dude's an enigma because when he comes to set, he's done. Like he did the work, but he's not so locked into certain choices that there's no room for the other performers. I see him come in, he's got his cup and then they come in and rehearse and he's got all his lines memorized. He's got all of the choices at his fingertips. He susses the scene out. Then we go, they bring in the cameras. And as soon as we get in there, he's just on. It's like, Honestly, I want to be a fly on the wall of this man's process when he's at the crib. Because it's just, I've, I've never, I've, I don't know that I've ever seen him like flub a line. I don't know that I've ever seen him be like, let's take that again. The man's just, he's just a machine and he's happy to be at work. So it's really <laughs> infectious. But I, I do get the sense that because he's also a writer on the show, he's doing his best to put his reality into Jimmy and be responsible and make sure that he's not just kind of using so much of these talents that he has without his heart being somewhere in the character. So again, like, I don't know much about uh, how much he's connecting his personal life to it, but I can guarantee you that even if that's not the case, he's at, at the very least using how he may respond or like isms that he may have noticed himself use because you'll see him so naturally in his environment in the show. And it's so much like Jason, but it's just this other dude. He's just a little to the left. It's Jimmy. <laughs> now, well, Jimmy, it, I know it, you had one more shrinking question about music and then we got to get into lasso. Cause yeah, we got to talk some money yeah, for sure. But yeah. I just wanted to say, like, I, I remember from your interview with Brett that you said your mother is a music teacher. My wife is a music teacher. Um, oh, wow. What I love so much about both these shows is the use of music uh, in these yeah. shows. The soundtracks to these two series are incredible. And I'm I'm thinking I'm about to blaspheme to all of our fans here, but I think I like the shrinking soundtrack a little better. I really, oh, there it is. <laughs> I, I don't know. But do you listen to most of the music that's on there? Because Apple's put together some hella good playlists for this show. They, they have. And what I've come to find that with Ted Lasso, I when I hear the music start in certain scenes, it definitely feels intentional. And that's my favorite thing. I, I, I used to love watching TV growing up where it was like kind of serialized and there's 21 episodes a season and it would be whatever pop song was popular would be in the show. And it's very different than what is happening on shows like Ted Lasso and on Shrinking. And on Shrinking, I think what they're trying to do is not only create like a soundtrack they're trying it's almost like a it's like a like a sound it's an audio mood board yeah whereas with ted lasso it's like some of the like the fun stuff they use it might not accurately represent all of the tears that you may have when you watch the show 
whereas shrinking has this sort of dichotomy. And I think that's, in my opinion, that's the point of Ted Lasso. And like shrinking isn't called Jimmy Laird. It's called shrinking. Yeah. So it's a bit more of an ensemble piece. Ted Lasso is about Ted. And what he's about, I think, is more of what the mood board would be for that show. Whereas with shrinking, it's kind of a snapshot of everyone, you know? And Ted Lasso is a very ensemble show, but there is, there is a very, you know, he's, he's, his character is carrying the show in a different way than Jimmy's is carrying shrinking. Yeah, totally. I just remember that from the last the episode that just released, like when the big thing happens at the end, the song yeah. is so perfectly encapsulating what's happening in that scene. And I just like, I can't say it because I don't know who's seen it yet, but it, it, again, it, you're right. It's like a character in the show. Just like, it's yeah. amazing. Well, we can't shout out. Oh yeah. Quick shout out. That's Bill's wife, Krista, who plays Liz. She is the music supervisor on the show. Oh, oh she sense. is. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's, awesome. that's all her. And if you check out her Instagram page, she's got she does little videos where she talks about exactly what you're asking, Jeremy, in terms of why she may have chose certain songs here to enhance the story. It's really cool. Oh, that's, going to that's so awesome. Right so now. and I should say, like, you know, if you are a Ted Lasso fan and you have not sh- tracked out shrinking, that is that is your fault uh, at this point. That. You need to definitely You're go doing. and do that. Now, Dawn, I, I I went back to my listener questions to see if there's any others I wanted to pull. And Dawn had a, a very direct question for you, Luke, as we get into a more hardcore talk about Ted Lasso here. How many times have you seen the series? Question mark. Is he one of us? Question mark. <laughs> so that's a great question. And check this out. One of my favorite movies of all time, which I realized... I didn't even put on my list with with Brett, but it I oh, did, it didn't quite, here. Yes. it didn't quite come up. <laughs> it's not a reach for me if anybody has listened to that podcast. It's Into the Spider Verse. I think yes. that's one of the most perfect movies. One of the ever best made. movies ever made. Ever yes. made. I've, perfect. Film I've film. seen that movie three times and know it like the back of my hand. And here's here's the reason why. And I've seen Oliver and Company, Company like twenty five times, and I you know I can't quote it, but it's it's very near and dear to my heart. I have a weird thing where when I have such a love for a piece of cinema or TV, I try not to watch it so I can still experience something new. And my wife teases me about it all the time because I got my my new OLED TV um, with my shrinking money to play God of War on my PlayStation. But also <laughs> it makes it makes movies look great too. And she'll be like, oh, you want to watch something? And every time Spider-Verse comes up, I'm like, no, 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 no. Like I have to save it. <laughs> Ted Lasso is in the same category. I've watched the show entirely three times. And but but wait, funnily enough, um, my wife and I thought that season two was 10 episodes until like last night. So we had to watch those last two and oh, we wow. were very stressed. Yeah. So oh, those nice. are the only two episodes I've seen once. And oh. man, I thought that it was over at the funeral. We were wrong. No. Oh, <laughs> oh. man. So much more that happened. There was so much more that happened, you guys. It took us so for a much ride. More we were happened. like, what? And, I, and I'm glad because I, I was watching in preparation for this. And then I, I was watching a recap. And the recap was like, oh, in, in episode 11, I go, Bigum! look at my wife. I said, do you remember episode 11? She was like, no. No. <laughs> we pressed oh. play immediately. <laughs> oh, no. So those are the only episodes I've seen once. Everything else I've seen three times. So if I'm remembering correctly here, uh, 11 of two, that's where we get Sam Richardson for the first time, right? That's the first time we get Sam Richardson. He is so amazing in those two Oh, episodes. my gosh. <laughs> that guy is so, he's so good. He's so natural. 
And I really I feel like he really seasons up a scene too. Cause I saw him in this this movie that came out not too long ago. Another movie I had a great time watching. I can't remember what it was called. Chris Pratt was in it. It was like a time war movie. It was on oh, Amazon. Yeah. Oh, right. The, the Tomorrow War. Tomorrow War. Yeah, yeah. awesome vis effects. Anyway, he was in that joint too, and he was awesome. I love that dude. He's so yeah. interesting. We got to interview uh, Tahib Jamal a little while back, and he's actually oh, cool. be on again. And the, one of the qu- biggest questions I had to ask him was like, "How did you not like break character in like when he's doing chill the whole time, just sitting he, pretty?" Yeah, he said like, "There's a reason why you see the back of my head most of that scene." <laughs> I want to keep just go, like going up and down because he's just laughing. <laughs> oh, he was great. He was so funny. And so warm just before. I know it, it comes out of nowhere. It's so oh cool. man, I didn't see it coming. They had to let him just like improv all of that. I'm, <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm sure. I gotta ask about it now that I know about it. Yeah, uh, exactly. But man, now uh, was so intense. Well, there is a, a kind of a big question in the Lasso fandom, which is, um, I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna go down this rabbit hole here, but uh, there's a lot of people who want Ted to end up with certain females uh, on the show. Do you? Have I think that's rabbit? been apparent. Look, when it comes to to stuff I I love very dearly, I tend not to like see who y'all remember Twilight. Mm-hmm. Yes, y'all remember Team Jacob, Team Edward. Oh yep. yeah, <laughs> that's what kind of taught me. Because here's the thing: I like Twilight. I like all them joints. It's so much fun to watch. Oh my gosh, we rewatched them during uh, quarantine, and it was amazing. <laughs> But I learned not to do that because I felt like I was having more fun than everybody else who was Team Edward or Team Jacob. I was just like watching the movies. That said, Ooh. it is it is definitely I, I will probably ball my eyes out in happiness if Ted does end up with Rebecca. Look at oh, this. Oh man. We, just, <laughs> we have a we have a friend who does a podcast called Their Soulmates. It's the entire podcast is about Ted and Rebecca getting together and you just made her life. Her name's Tori. So uh, you just, freaking uh, out, hey, right? hey, Tori, it's, like, it's just real though. It's like, I'm not, I'm not saying it needs to happen for the show to be whatever. Nah, nah. It's just as a romantic, I will cry my eyes out if they do end up together. Cause they're everything. And you know what they was doing with the whole banter. Y'all know what they was doing. They, they was messing were. with us, man. That was really, you had Ted walking down the hall, smiling right after a jump cut. After Rebecca was texting somebody, like, come on, they know what they was doing. But they yeah, so I, much. They, they, oh, they got me with that. Gotcha. They got me with that, man. That was intense. But I will be happy if they do end up together. We'll oh, see. Man. Who do you knows? have a um? Do you have a particular favorite episode or anything like that that you just kind Big of? Question. I know you mentioned that you have mm-hmm. watched the season of, or series a few times, but any particular ones that stand out? I got. It's more like moments for me, but. Man, I love when I love when Ted tears into Phil. Oh, yeah. practice the practice. Mm-hmm. Alan Iverson bit, man. Oh. It was so good. Yeah, that you know I didn't make that connection mm-hmm. with the Allen Iverson. Yeah, yeah, and it's really but, interesting but because he puts it's a, a positive spin on it, though. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he it, does. It's a, it's a juxtaposition because uh, Iverson was saying that he doesn't. You know, like he was telling the reporters, practice doesn't matter to him. Practice yeah. doesn't matter, and Ted's turning it around. Yeah, it's perfect. It's just practice. Oh, there's something so rich about how. Ted chose not to like scold or chastise what you might assume a traditional coach would do Mm. like likely what we'll see Nate doing in the next season. But with Ted, it was, 
as if he knew that that wouldn't work. So he had to say, it's up to you. And that's what that speech was to me. Because I remember those dudes on football. I was not talented. I did not have it. I just had heart. And oh, man, it used to make me so mad when I would try. And they'd be like, man, this dude over here trying. I was like, I'm trying to go to college for free, man. I ain't got a free ride like you. I I don't have the deltoids and the pectoral muscles that y'all got. And and like the football vision, they call it FBI, football intelligence. I ain't had none of that, all right? I ain't have it. (laughs) Trying to figure my life out. But I really connected to that moment. And that's just one of the few moments that really sort of moved me in, in that. But I also quite loved, look, I just loved the whole, uh, Roy and Keeley. Yeah. I, I didn't see that coming from the jump at all. Mm. So that whole episode where Roy is trying to figure out how to, or excuse me, where Keeley's trying to figure out how to tell Roy, like you kind of around a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not like, it's not like he's doing anything wrong. It's just, she's like, I need some time. And then Roy has to learn from the dude. He is not trying to hear it from, <laughs> from Jamie Tart of all people. <laughs> That sometimes you got to give space to the people you love. And oh, that realization was great. The whole episode was great. But yeah. I just love, I just love how Lasso's like it's just shot sort of honestly. Mm. It, I, I don't feel any sort of foreshadowing. I don't feel any sort of it's just clear. Here's the story. Here's what's happening. He's just in the middle of the frame, just dropping those F bombs. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Like I know what I got to do now. I love it. Well, now it's time for the real question here, Craig, because oh, so. this, this is going to determine how much you love by a big section of the fans here. Um, what are our, what are your feelings on Beard After Hours, my man? Oh, uh, when he goes to the when he goes on, on yeah, his little he tirade on his bar adventures in London. My opinion on it, I thought it was fantastic. Wow. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Jeremy's going to love you now forever. So I should put I should put out there, Luke, that the reason why it's kind of a, uh, it's an episode that's a little bit contentious in the fans is because the way Apple released it, we had this amazing yeah. minute. Uh, uh, we had this revelation at the end of the Man City match. And Big then hug. we had to wait two weeks to be able to get a resolution to that because of Beards After Hours. And so some of the fans were like, what are you doing? What do you mean? Like this, we just figured this out. So that's why it's a little bit contentious amongst the fandom. So, you know but I mean, as a film buff, you got to love it, right? Yeah, absolutely. But also it ain't contentious for me because when I fell in love with my lady, she introduced me to a technique called wait and binge. So mm-hmm. she was just like, we just going to stay off social media for the yeah. whole time. And then when it all comes out, we'll just sit and we'll have some ice cream and watch the whole thing. That's so cool. I didn't feel any of that. I was just like, oh, oh wow, we're along for the ride. And he's fighting dude. And then you got oh. Jamie's dad. And yeah. I was like, yo, what's going on? So I was just along for the ride having a grand old time because I binged it all. But I won't be doing that this next season because I know these people and I'm not trying to like see them and be like, oh, don't talk about Lasso because nah, I'm, we we watching it. We I worked it out between me and my wife. She respects my decision. <laughs> we'll be doing it weekly from here on out. My wife actually introduced me to the show. I can't remember if I said that. And oh, now no, it's like didn't. our thing. It, it's our thing we do together. I just hadn't heard of it. And she was like, we're going to watch this new show together. And she pressed play. And then like three episodes in, I was like, did you watch this already? She was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, man. I was like, yo, we watched... 
it was five episodes one day, and the very next day, five episodes, and we watched the first season, and I was hooked. You yeah. just can't stop. That's how it always happens with everyone. You get, and I, I love that you said like the three episodes because it's usually around that third episode where I think the love really settles in. Oh man, it's a good Trent, show. Trent Krem, the Independent. Dude. It's when he goes to it's when he goes to the restaurant with Trent, and they're ordering the food, and uh, he's got to order it family style and yeah. everything else, and then he's telling Trent why winning doesn't matter, why it's more important uh, that you impress upon um, these players, and it's just like if you don't get one over in that episode, I don't think you're going to get Ted Lasso, and I think most people do get one over, and that's why it's winning all these awards and it's you know getting all this recognition because it's just that show that like it it connects on such a human level with people and people from all different walks of life doesn't matter if you like sports or not doesn't matter who you are it's just that it it really is connecting on such a basic level there Mm -hmm. i think i think the character is so beloved on a different level too because uh, have you guys seen the second spider-man in the holland trilogy Oh yeah, what's it called? Uh, we, uh, we're the one far with from home. nerds. Yeah, man. far from okay, great. So y'all are yeah. gonna know exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, the yeah. moment where Happy's stitching up uh, mm. Peter, and then he's like, oh, "I'm supposed to be Iron Man," and then you see Favreau, who I love as a film, just a, a creator in general. He's in that chair, just very, very dry. You're not gonna be Iron Man. You're never gonna be Iron Man. Tony was hardly Iron Man. Yes, and and what's so cool about that moment is not only did Marvel created character or John Favreau created character or RDJ created character. Tony created a character mm. in the Marvel universe. Tony became an individual that he now had to live up to. Ted is another great example of somebody who has to be this guy who he's made for himself to be. And it, it's so impressive to watch this guy move through the world because most people aren't Ted. I would argue Ted isn't Ted. But the fact that he's closest makes us all want to get up and be a little bit of a better person. Yeah. And I, I love what you just said there, because that moment to me really stood out, too, because literally he said that like Peter in that scene has such this built up version of what Tony is. And Happy literally just tells him he doubted himself all the time. Like he he never thought he was doing the right thing and stuff like that. And that's such an important message for people that we build up in our lives. They're <laughs> struggling with their own stuff, you know, um, and, you know, nobody gets uh, away from that. Um, God, I love that you just made that parallel there. Um, again, the <laughs> I, I love that type art, of... people. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know what the deal is. I'm sure everybody got some notes, but it's like, hey, man, hey, just watch the movie. We yeah, who gets it. off a roller coaster and has Let's notes? Notes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> No, uh, yeah, I, I love those movies. So we've got a we've got a segment that we're really excited to bring back. We haven't been able to do it since we had a, a new episode, yeah. and that's t- our favorite Tedisms. Tedisms. And so I know you don't have any of the quotes right in front of you, but is there mm-hmm. a quote from this show that uh, you have really taken with you? It doesn't have to be from Ted. We just like to call them Tedisms yeah. because that's uh-huh. cute, right? Um, but is there a quote from this show that you're like, oh yeah, this is something that really struck stuck with me? Hmm. I'm thinking of all my favorite quotes. You know what got me? One of the biggest twists in the show for me, because I was already hooked by this point. But it was when I, I don't. This is back in season one. He says, "I almost and I almost got the recipe," and oh. that was the reveal that he had been making. Yeah. Up. I yeah. 
That's right. when he gives them to Rebecca after she transfers Jamie. Uh, it's a yes. two episode. And yeah, he like angrily tells her he's finally cracked the recipe. Yeah, you're right. Oh, I, I cried. All it right. Was, so, and it, it's hardly even like a like a quote or a Tedism. It's like a a, a turning point. I cried. I'd say that. Okay, Don, you're you've been answered. He is one of us. Uh, going with that kind of a poll, uh, you are welcome into the Ted Lasso fandom for sure. But um, I accept with gratitude. There we before go. We, before we get out of here, Jer, you want to ask him anything about season three predictions or? Yeah, like let's let, let's get into it. What are you hoping to see here out of season three? Like, there's so many questions that season two left us with. What are you hoping here? If this is our last ride with Ted, what are you hoping we get? So I'm obsessed with the character Nate. I think most people are him. Mm. And I think that's why people have such a visceral response to that character. Mm. Because what they've done is they, they've shown us they, they've shown us so many sides of him. We've seen why he's the way he is. And then we see him do what was done to him to others. Mm. And we go, why can't you see it? And that's that's all, all what we do. Man, when I was in, when I was playing football, I remember the, I was lucky I was big because they weren't trying me. But like the the varsity players would be like, "Hey, you got to clean this stuff up." I'm like, "I'm gonna clean up my stuff." They're like, "No, you got to clean the locker room." I was like, "I'm not cleaning up your mess." And you know why they were doing that? Because when they were on JV, the varsity players probably did the same thing to them. Yep, yep. It's just a, a vicious cycle. And I'm looking at Nate, and and Nate wants to win. He cares too much about winning. He 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 doesn't care about believing right now. But what I what I hope more than anything is redemption because mm. I hardly even see Nate as a villain. You know who's the villain? Rupert. That Rupert. freaking guy. He's <laughs> using people, he's manipulating them, he's making Nate feel wanted. And yep. man, what a great choice on the on the writers and the co- or writers wardrobe and, and makeup, hair and makeup team, because what we're seeing here is exactly what happens. Uh, to presidents when they go into an election and then they come out with all their hair white or gone. And it's like, we're, we're looking at Nate. He started that transformation in the middle of season two. It looks like a different person now. Mm. And and we all know it's because of the stress is the stress he's putting on himself is it the stress people are putting on him is it the stress he's getting from people who he loves is it the stress he's getting from people who don't love him. People who, man, I, I could go about this forever, but what I yeah. hope to see to answer your question in a concise way is Nate's redemption because what I think that will show is that there's always a way back. And even though everybody might not be there when you come back, at least you aren't contributing to the negativity in the world anymore. At least hopefully you're, you're lifting people up, man. What a, what a great, mm. Mm. <laughs> uh, I got to tell you from, Same way from following, you know, I did a bit of research before that junket and then seeing you in shrinking just wanted me to watch more. And I can't wait to see uh, your short get around the festival circuit. Oh, thank you. Released. When it's out, uh, I'll let y'all know. Yeah. Oh man. It's just like, and, and what I love about it is that in almost every interview I've watched with you, you put that kindness forward. And that is such a, that's so indicative of the type of person that would be able to connect with characters like Sean and like Ted and others from both of these shows that just, it's incredible, man. And so I just can't wait because shrinking is, is a hit. It's going to be a hit. And mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see you at that pinnacle of your career, whenever that's going to be, because you've got great things ahead of you, man. And I just can't, I can't help but root you on uh, from thank here because it's, it's incredible. So, so thank Thanks you so much. much for this opportunity to talk to you. And man, if you ever want to talk lasso, you know where to come back for sure. Hey, hey, yo. And hey, when I see season three drop.
I'm gonna be in touch. All right, we're gonna have <laughs> right, a lot of time. Right. Let's that's do this right, again. Right. You feel me? That's right. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thanks hey. very much, you guys. I appreciate you both. That guy's awesome. And I will be supporting him for all of his career because he's just incredible to be able to like dive into this character. He has such a love of film. He has such a love of family and he, his kindness comes through. He talked a lot about human connection and Mm -hmm. just, I can't say enough good things, Jer. No, I'm so happy that we got to talk to him about Lasso. Um, he's amazing on Shrinking. Everybody needs to be watching that show. Um, and trust me, guys, you might be seeing him as our season three recaps are happening, uh, which are gearing up very soon. Get ready, Lasso fans, because it is coming. Season three, it will be here before you know it, and we will all be together again. Yeah, for sure. And Luke, thank you so much for your time today. And thanks for the art and creativity that you're putting out into the world, because it it really helps mean so much to all of us, and especially us Ted Lasso fans, us shrinking fans. And we can't wait to see where his career goes from here. All right, Jeremy, we've got it's coming up the coming. premiere of season three. Our episode for the premiere of season three is going to be on March 15th, right when the show right drops. The drop, guys. So we are excited to bring that to you. I also do want to say we are trying to get together an Avengers level crew to podcast all about our predictions for season three before that happens. Hopefully that will happen prior to the start of season three. If not, you can expect that sometime in the season. We still have some time here to be able to talk yeah. things moving forward as well, but we're hoping to bring that to you in the relatively near future. If you're brand new to the show because you're hopping on for the season three fun go back and listen to our previous episodes go back and listen to our previous interviews we've talked to people like jeremy swift and nick muhammad and we've talked to tahib jamo and kola bakimi and other people that uh, are also involved in the show aj and mel the editors of the show that's a wonderful interview to go back and and, um, listen to as well so go and check that out you can of course follow us on social media pbbfrn is our twitter handle and then also check us out on facebook peanut butter and biscuits and then i am trying to get better about instagram and so that will be uh, peanut butter biscuit time on instagram but jerry any final thoughts before we get out of here none whatsoever we miss you guys we love you guys can't wait to do season three we'll see you soon let's keep bringing it back so for peanut butter and biscuits i am craig i'm jeremy and as always be a goldfish. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Front Row Network, a proud Community Voices member of National Public Radio Illinois. For more from the Front Row Network, including our articles or our other dozens of shows, visit thefrontrownetwork.com or nprillinois.org slash programs slash network. You can also find us on social media by searching for the Front Row Network on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, and on Twitter at Front Row Reviews with a Z.